This is your host, Sam Jarocki from J-Rock Lawn Care and Gardening. Speaking about all things lawn care, garden related and business wise, whether you do this at home for a bit of fun or if you're trying to break into the business, sit tight and enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to this week's J-Rock's Lawn Care and Gardening episode. Here we are on episode number 59 titled, Three Things to Keep Your Business on Track. Now, this is just like a little overview of a few things to bear in mind, you know, three sort of good pillars to keep to to be like ever moving and just to make sure that you're staying in the right lane and you're moving in the right direction. But what we also have is I asked on Instagram yesterday for basically some questions is if people could send questions through and I'll answer them at the end. So we've got several of them to go through as well. So I just want to say a big thank you first to Martin's Gardening for leaving a five-star review on our podcasting platform of iTunes, Apple Podcasts. So he said, thanks, Sam, for putting out such great content. Try to catch up as much as possible. Keep up the good work. So that's massively um, appreciated just to even take the time and put the review. As I always mention at the start of these podcasts, it is the number one thing you can do to say thank you for these podcasts and for you know the time that it takes to to record them and send them out you know these podcasting platforms don't pay you anything to do these so to you know try and take the time each and every week to put something together get it recorded and get it pushed out for you for them saturday mornings you know this is a massive thank you to be able to sort of return the favor as such but um the first sort of pillar that i want to talk about today is pricing now this is one thing that I'm sure I normally grabs the yards of most people because even if you've heard it a million times before, it's ever evolving, ever changing, and people are just always quite curious to know what people charge and and where to go with it. So I'm not going to talk about you know definite prices here on soil of services because there's plenty of episodes like that. If you scroll back through these podcast and episodes, that if you're focused on more you know price points for grass cut and hedge work, garden clearances, that sort of thing. Have a look back there because there is other episodes that you might find very helpful. But the first thing and the first point really on pricing is raising prices. Now, we're obviously in a climate at the minute where things are just shooting through the roof. People's paying a lot more money for a lot more um, common things or month in, month out running costs, quite frankly. You know, the fuels went up, although I've noticed that's coming on its way back down. I think we're sitting around... 178 or 183 at the moment whatever it might be so hopefully that keeps on heading that direction and it keeps on going down because for for most of us lot that are are running these businesses and we're using if it's not even fuel machinery but you're running the van then you know it costs money (laughs) obviously so just for us to get from point a to point b within our job it costs us money so the thing is is raising our prices now the main key that I would sort of say with raising prices in any way, shape or form is only do it if you need to. You know, often what we're looking at is there's a risk there, risk factor of people that you're going to lose. So, you know, one bit of advice I always seen getting chucked out there, and it's a great bit of advice really, is that when you get to the point where you're absolutely jam-packed, fully booked, and, you know, you're more or less not taking on any work, but then requests keep on coming and you keep on turning them back down, Right, as annoying as it is, I know one thing that you can do is pump up your prices a bit, you know, up at 10, 20%, whatever it's going to be, and fire it out there. The chances is you might lose some, some of your clientele. 
that's more or less expected. So if that's what you're sort of looking to do in, or you're about to do it anyway and you haven't raised prices before, you can expect to possibly lose some. Now, the win-win with this is if you do lose some, then, you know, albeit, but now you've got a bit more room to take on new clientele at that price. And if you don't lose anyone, then, hey, you know, you might have 70 customers that you'll now get an extra 10% off each service, sorry, an extra 10% on each service week in, week out. So you're going to be making a good bit more money. Now, yes, that might only just cover the baseline or, you know, everything that, that the world's sort of going up and how the prices are jumping up. But what I need to remind you with is, you know, everything's going up for them as well. So at some point, I I believe anyway, from the way I run my business and the way I see my books is there's a bit of fudge factor there. You know, I, do, I don't think any gardener should be making bottom, but like bottom dollar. I'd hate to use that. You know, I know we're not in America, but, you know, the bottom pound on things, you know, we should be making a good amount of money solely because we're self-employed. You know, no one wants to go through the hassle of being self-employed and not making enough money or just making minimum wage or just above it. You know, we want to make that big, the, a big gap there because, you know, we're running our own business for Pete's sake, you know, so... The thing is, if you can do, at some point you need to be willing to absorb a bit of the costs of, you know, all the prices going up. And I'm a firm believer in that is we, you shouldn't be living month to month on a, on a, you know, sole trader or whether you're limited on that business. You should still have a good bit of wiggle room and be paying yourself enough money to, to be enjoying it, you know. So the business should have at least something where you can, uh, you know, you can absorb a bit of that. I'm not saying absorb it all but you should be able to be prepared to absorb at least a little bit of it. Now, one thing that I kind of like to go by or think of is price at right, sleep well at night. Now, that's it's a bit corny, I know, but the thing with it is if you price a job really well, then one thing that at least you know that's going to happen, like, you know, when you give a, a price to a client and they're like, oh, absolutely, and they're all follow it very, very keen to accept that price you know that you're still making a good profit so regardless of the figure that they had in their head you know you're still knowing that you're making a good amount of money from it and that the client is over the moon with that price with jobs like that that get accepted and you get a hold that price out you know that the chances are as long as you're you know staying, holding your guns and you're doing well to the business you know that that client's going to be hanging around okay so you know you're not doing them out of any money or you know being absolutely ludicrous you know charging 180 pound for a 25 25 pound grass cut uh you know that both parties are going to be happy and you're probably going to be keeping that client for you know as long as they they may actually ever need that service so you're going to sleep well at night because you you know that there's not going to be an issue there you know that you're not going to be losing all your clients overnight so you know it's a good one to go by is keeping that price right and sadly you'll find that over time because the type of clientele, you know, you could have person A and person B in the exact same county or in the exact same city, right? But the the thing is, is they could offer the same service, but two completely different demographics. And point A who, sorry, person A who charges £10 a grass cut might be going for all the, you know, um, the kind of people that want to just pay £10 for a grass cut and nothing else whatsoever. Whereas person number B, Right, he might be out there charging thirty-five pound minimum for a grass cut, but he's on the larger gardens. He's on the sort of 
the clients that want that little bit more. They don't want just want a grass cut. They want to involve that into a, a full treatment plan and scarification and generations every single year. So, you know, don't compare and don't be worried too much about, you know, who you're going up against there, but just make sure that you can be in two completely different boats, basically, is what I'm getting at. The next one here is profit. So when you're pricing things, you the one main thing that you obviously need to make sure that you're doing while you're thinking about pricing is that you're obviously making the right profit from it. So you don't want to be taking jobs on where you're like, I am literally squeezing the line here and really not making much money at all by the time I've traveled, by the time I've bought in the materials, by the time that you know I've done several visits or I've done a full gone design plan, whatever it might be. You need to make sure that profit is adequate for the time that you spend on it because look, our time isn't free. But sadly, a lot of the, there is a lot of occasions where you go at home at night and you might be invoicing, you might need to go through your books, you might need to sit down with an accountant and take two hours out of your day before your tax returns, whatever it is, all these sort of little occasions all tend to then add up. You know, it just happens. Consultations, for example, you know, I'm a firm believer that I never... I don't ever plan on on charging for a consultation. I hope that I can always, you know, turn up to a client's property, walk over their garden, you know, listen to what they need done, and never have to charge for that service there. And just hope that my time on that property, the way I talk to the client, the way I talk about my services, the type of person I am, the kind of job I can do, I hope that that is enough to return that time spent there within the job's profit. You know, after winning the job, hopefully. So this is something that you need to just keep aware of, you know, that you you want to be you want to be spending all this time correctly in that just the right profits coming through. And lastly on the pricing there is you want to cover all bases. You know, it's one of these things when it comes to pricing that it's quite easy sometimes to I do it all the time. I I did it yesterday in fact. You know, talk to a client and I was like, "Yep, I'll have looked at that property. I'll have you know, it was big kind of garden, tidy up. They're looking to sell the home. Yep, I'll have that quote with you by tonight. You know, and you sit back and you go, why did I say that they needed the quote by tonight? You know, there's no reason why, you know, they already told me they weren't in a rush. I could have said, I'll get the quote over to you in the next 10 days and they probably still would have been just as happy. So, you know, because we sometimes do this, and I'm sure there's many that, that do it as well, when you just slip of the tongue, force a habit, whatever it might be, and you sort of promise something without meaning to put yourself under that much, you know, time and pressure. Obviously, if you ever needed more time, you could just get back to them and just say, very busy at the moment. I'll actually have the quote over to you in the next five days. You know, they're not they're not going to be put off you by that, I don't think personally. But when you if you do slip up and you do this and you just run with it, kind of what I'm doing, you need to be able to then cover, make sure you've covered all bases. So don't just go back and be like, oh God, I said I'll get them this quote by six o'clock. It's, you know, quarter two now, right? There was there was grass there, or how long was that? I can't really remember. Or I'm sure there was three shrubs, or was there five? You know, and you start going through these and you're, you're rushing your decisions, right? And you might slip up, you might forget to add the waste into account. And like I said earlier on, even if you went back to them and you, you know, changed that information slightly, and you said, look, I first sorry, I forgot to add in waste, for example, that is now actually going to be an extra £55 or, you know, 25 whatever you charge. It isn't an issue, but, you know, anything where you can not annoy the client is probably the best thing to do. 
And, you know, this would definitely be one of them. Take your time, give yourself as much room as you need and cover all the bases. Have a little checklist somewhere. You know, I, I'm I'm a bad one for just doing it in my head and just kind of running through things and being like, you know, a mental checklist where really I would, and I'm definitely going to do this if I ever employ anyone, is I'm going to set down, a, you know, almost a tick list of things that I need to make sure I go through. If it isn't on there, you can just cross it out. But yeah, they're the, they're the main things on pricing is raising prices, price it, price it right, sleep well at night, the profit, thinking about that as, a, as an overall and covering all basis when it comes to your quotations. It's all things that's just going to help you through that pricing sort of strategy almost, okay, for how you're going to deliver it. Because what you do with one client, I get that it might flex a little bit and change depending on the job, but you still want to have a, a system in place where, you know, you are, that's how your business runs, that's how it quotes, and that's how it delivers. So the second sort of thing here to keep your business on track is I kind of split it down into two, and that's the urge to evolve and self-development. So the urge to evolve, I think, is is key, really. You know, keep it keeps you on your toes, keeps you wanting to move forward, and keeps you looking ahead. And there's a, there's a quote that you've probably heard a million times now, what is, get comfortable being uncomfortable. And, you know, you often hear it so much more now with everyone taking these cold showers and, you know, that sort of thing where you're trying to get used to being in an uncomfortable state. So when it happens in real time, when something hits you real time that makes you uncomfortable, you can still be professional, organized, and you can still act in the most efficient way possible to get through that. And it, it splits down many ways the urge to evolve. But one thing on the self-development side that I really want to talk about is courses. You know, I think once you're qualified or even if you're not even went down that path, like I haven't personally, I don't have a degree in any of this, but I am still looking at other courses that I can uptake. You know, if I want to do weekend courses, it might just be an hourly course. To me, actually having a degree or an MVQ in this or that doesn't mean a lot to me. What I would prefer to have is just the knowledge about whatever the subject is to a more in-depth standard because, as I've mentioned before, and I've spoke quite often with those that came on for interviews, never have I walked in, into a client's garden or to a commercial site and they've said, okay, what MVQs do you have? You know, straight out the door. It's, do you offer this service? Do you offer that service? Or how do you go by doing this? And I just give my own my own take on it. You know, I the way I talk through things with a client is often what kind of gets me that job. I would like to believe, you know, I had a client, it was last week and completed the landscaping job for them and they were over the moon. And when I went back to the following day, just to do a final checkup of the site and make sure that it was all finished off as I wanted it to be, you know, the sang praises that it was just nice to meet someone that was professional. They knew that they could trust, you know, that was polite. And that's one thing I always hear, being polite and how much, how far it goes with clients. So, you know, you might not be that polite by nature and that's no no, um, no offence to you sort of thing. But it's learning to act in such a way when you're around a client to be the person that you are. Okay, I'm not saying don't be yourself, but just acting in a certain way where you're coming across as professional and polite at the same time, you know, making the client feel like you've got time for them. Even if you don't, you know, even we all know what, what it's like to tip up to a property 
and a client be talking to you for 10, 15 minutes, but it feels like an hour and you feel like, I just kind of want to crack on with this job. And, you know, everyone's going to feel that at some point because sometimes, look, you're just in a rush. But, you know, they're doing that because they feel like they can talk to you. So at the same time, you're doing something right there. Um, but yeah, having that sort of feedback, I think it goes a long way. So stripping that back to what I was saying with the courses, an aim to just sort of forever improve and forever grow, it's getting, being comfortable with going, look, I could learn a bit more. I could know a little bit more about this if that question's ever going to be asked. Same with like actual courses for services. You know, you might want to go do a tree felling course or you might want to do your climbing quals after that, you know, take it all the way that far into the sort of orb world, you know, the arboriculture world. And this could just be a side service that you want to add. You might not want to do everything with trees all the time, but having that in the back pocket for if one does come come your way, you can actually still jump on it and do it efficiently and be insured while doing so. So that that's a big one there, I think. Services. I've, I've spoke about this quite a lot as well, and it's never knocking yourself. So with services, and we kind of spoke about this in last week's podcast with, you know, if all the loans are going dormant, like what do you do? Do you move on to hedge trimming and all that? Because if you only focus on loans and you've set up your whole business for the last two years and you've just done grass cutting and treatments here, right? As soon as one of them sort of turned off and you don't even own a hedge trimmer and it's not something you've ever pushed out, then you're lacking that ability to be able to go out there and be very dynamic in the way that you, you run your business, being very flexible and being able to get these other types of jobs. So... The services are a big one. What kind of comes hand in hand to upselling? Like most of mine, what seem to to evolve comes from a lot of the same clients that I already have. So I'll already do one thing, and they might even just mention it. You know, oh well, this really annoyed me. You know, last year that tree over there, it's it's just hanging a bit too far down. I'm gonna have to get someone in to sort it. And just you saying, oh well, you know, I I can actually help you with that. You know, he has a few pictures or. A portfolio you might have an album ready to just send across digitally you know of some of the job work that i've done on trees prior and that sort of thing can really they already know you they already trust you they're already paying you so they don't need to set up any new bank accounts or trust another how they you know paying someone new if you're going to turn up on time they already know you as a person as a you know as a service provider there's a good chance that they're going to go with you until you ever give them a reason not to trust you so you know, services and upselling is all sort of a key key point. But don't be afraid to to kind of, you know, push the boat out a bit. So at the minute, one thing that um, long, long Care Daddy uh, that I've been speaking to online is, you know, pressure washing and cleaning services. I mentioned not, not long ago that one thing that I would really kind of like to bring in, not as a main service to push out and, and do, you know, daily, possibly weekly or fortnightly um across the board is like sort of window cleaning or, or pressure washing a bit more simply because you're already there on the property like these commercial sites you're already there taking care of the grounds around it you know if there's a good good amount of windows there it, you could just be on that site for a little bit longer earning a bit more money and just being a bit more settled in there so it's definitely something that i've been talking about and he's been giving me some fantastic advice for believe the company's called pristine clean um it is it's just having an overall look at what else you can what you can offer and what you can possibly 
you know, make a really good shot at, I don't think you should shy away from that sort of thing. I think it's something you should definitely look into to be able to push out and be in control of, you know, what services are coming and going. So them sort of three really tie in together because obviously courses you might want to learn how to do something or be more inform uh, be more informative about it so that you can then pass that off and come across as a professional. The services then leads to what you can push out also back to what courses you might want to do in regards to that. And then you've obviously got the upsells. Once you've got all that in the bag, you can then upsell it to a client and say, look, I can take that uh, take care of that for you as well. So they're, they're the main sort of things there for the urge to evolve in self-development. That's going to really, you know, using that alongside pricing, it's going to keep you in that narrow lane of hopefully success and like hitting the green light every time you come uh, to a set, you know, you're going to constantly be moving forward. So that's one big thing that I'll just kind of say, move forward with it, uh, evolve and be, be trusting in yourself with it. Right, we're just going to take a quick break here uh, just to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Total Loan. Total Loan provides scientifically engineered loan care products to homeowners, hobbyists and loan care professionals. Their range of fertilisers and biostimulants will keep your loan looking lush, green and moss-free all year round. I use Total Loan products for my customers and on my own loan and I think you should too. The team at Total Loan put quality above anything else when they're producing their loan feeds. They use ingredients that are rarely if ever used by their competitors to give you the best loan possible. Try Total Loan today at totalloan.co.uk and use code Care at the checkout to receive 10% off your whole order. Total Loan are so confident in their products that you can use them on your loan and if you're not happy with the results you can get in touch with them up to 90 days later for a full refund. Go to totalloan.co.uk and transform your loan. Welcome back then. So that was our sponsors there, Total Loan. Thank you to them for supporting each and every podcast. It is always appreciated. So you've heard the, the urge to evolve and the pricing. They're two main things that's going to keep you in that narrow lane moving forward. Now, the next one is keep one step ahead. Now, you always sort of hear this, keep one step ahead of the curve. You know, however you might listen to that sort of, that little quote or little motto there. But there's a few things that it breaks down into in my mind for sort of keeping this business on the straight and narrow and one big one that i've been seeing lately and people not knowing too much what to do with it is the marketing side so it's something that we dip in and out of obviously you market more or you tend to market more when you need the work and when you get full you know you you could ties and that's one thing that i did you know 18 months ago is that i pushed really hard on marketing never spent you know it must have cost me 30 pound in total by putting out different ads in different places. But you know, that brought back, I mean, to this day, if we're going by it, it's bringing thousands and thousands of pounds back into my pocket. So just by having that repeat custom. Um, with marketing, it is something that when you do cut ties, you, you leave yourself semi-vulnerable, like if you cut from everywhere, simply because if you ever need it again, then you know, you've got to re-raise the whole thing. You've got to try and get engagement back on your Facebook business uh, profiles. If you use Instagram or Google My Business, however it might be, you know, you've kind of got to re-engage. So one thing I would say with the whole marketing side is don't ever fully take your foot off the gas. So when it came to me, when I cut them ties sort of 18 months ago or when I stopped marketing or pushing for marketing was I still kept all profiles going. Okay, so at no point did I just go you know, stone cold and just not post anywhere. I, I always kept something going. So I kept, 
all profiles kind of open. You know, I still post it every now and again, but I just let people knew that know that I wasn't taking on jobs as much, or you know, I just altered what I was pushing out. So at one point when I was really pushing for jobs, I I see this openly through Instagram's not a big one for me. I tend that's more just my social media side, but Facebook there's a lot of people that are local to me that you know have, have either found me or they know friends that take on my services and they just keep an eye on my page. So I, I, drip, I drip feed on it. You know, I might post once a week, even quite now what I wouldn't recommend is probably once every couple of weeks, you know, what is probably too far between each post. Once a week would be more than adequate if you're just updating people and just, you know, staying in the back of their minds. But when I was fully pushing, you know, I was doing paid stuff on Facebook. I was doing organic marketing, so not paying at all, but in every sort of post I would talk about a service I might talk about a cost within it or what it may be from or just the benefits of. The best type of marketing that I see for our business, for this sort of business standard in the gardening world, is the informer of sort of work. You want to be telling people why they might want something. So, you know, if they've got marks on their patio and they keep on pressure washing it and nothing changes, there might be a chemical that you use that actually gets rid of, you know, algae stains or, or whatever it might be. So in that regard, you would have these informative posts pushed out, focus on like pressure washing and the, maybe not exactly what you use because that might be a bit of a trade secret, but you know that you can overcome this and you can solve that equation, that problem. So them sort of things I've seen being really beneficial. Google My Business has been a massive earner for me all the way through. It hasn't cost me a penny and it has forever kind of kept on bringing me phone calls through. You know, I haven't pushed out, like I say, in probably about 18 months, anything paid or any main push to get to get more business. But yet, the phone still rings usually every week at some point. I know sometimes I come on the podcast and say, my phone has rang, you know, five times yesterday. That isn't the case every single day, you know, all the way throughout the year. But they are just certain particular times when I mention it. But for example, I've maybe had, I, I have none for quite a while. You know, it might be three weeks without anyone getting in touch with us. But then today has just been an an odd one, a mix between them, for example, of me being on property. So me marketing myself by just working, right? So that's one form. Neighbor came across and said, oh, you know, would you, would you happen to look at my garden as well? We've just moved in. I work offshore. I said, absolutely. You know, right across the road. Someone else found me on Google today that wants me to take a look. So again, that's Google My Business, and I haven't done anything to that. It's just an active profile on Google. And thirdly was a recommendation from, you know, I don't know who the other client was, but they knew me from a friend, and they got in touch. So different ways is a pushed about, but keeping that marketing alive, if you choose to do so, is always going to be a great step. By keeping one step ahead, you are just keeping things, you know, ready in case you ever go, right, I've lost five customers this month, you know, all guns go. So that's one thing on the marketing is staying one step ahead in case any problems sort of come your way. Other things to that, you've got obviously your older school things, so you can be posting, I say old school, posting flyers, you could be putting like business cards in shops. If there's a, a garden centre, you could ask to put them in with one of the free magazines that they give away, just your business card in case they need a gardener. All them certain types of things are great ways to kind of push out your services. Don't feel like you're ever, oh, I've not do this in five years, so I really don't want to feel like I'm taking a back step. You're not. 
you just keep it on top of your own marketing and you're doing what you need to do to, to get work. And however you may do that, it's absolutely fine. Now, keep winter in mind. You know, a lot of the times, and I think year in, year out, there's so so many of us that you, you blink and you go, like now, like three main months left of the, the main growing season before things start, we start losing a lot of light. And that's the main thing for on my behalf is how much daylight we lose. You know, we lose the ability to sort of go up until 8 o'clock at night when needed and still work efficiently. You might still work in the dark. You might have lamps, lights, whatever, but you still lose that working day. I mean, every winter by about 4 or 5 o'clock, I feel like it's 10 o'clock at night. I absolutely hate the winter for the lack of light, but it's something where you're going to lose efficiency, so you need to keep that in mind. Have you put money aside you know, each and every month to get you through any quiet spells may, that may come? Or have you evolved your services to the point where, you know, November isn't the stop point anymore or January or December, whenever it might be, you've now got something to trickle forward to take you all the way through. Now, it's just keeping it in mind. Everyone's got their own type of businesses and you might earn enough in the in the months of April and May to see you through the three months of winter because some people do have their most profitable months you know, in spring or in autumn. So depending on when that is, you may have already thought about it. But if you haven't and it's your first year down, then you need to realise that if you mainly cut grass, even if there's, I get grass doesn't stop growing, it continues. You know, I'm already starting to tell people that it's more towards the end of November now when I'll be stopping rather than the start of November. I know people used to stop in the last week of October. So that is changing, but clients might not not say it that way they might want you to stop regardless so depending on what you've got set up you know it depends on where you go with that one but it's just keeping it in mind and plan for your next move so what is what is good next you know have you got a big a big venture that you're about to go on are you thinking about right i'm taking on two new employees next year so we can split out in two different teams and you know take them in that direction i want to focus on this however it might be it's keeping that next step in mind so that you're always there you know when the time's ready you know everything's already lined up and you all you need to do is put your foot down on the gas and you're gone you know rather than going right i am really needing an employee now but i've got no other insurances involved you know there's not enough room in the van to bring someone else in i also don't have enough customer uh, sorry you might have enough customer to bring them on but i don't have enough tools to actually give them you know all this sort of stuff that is around it you might just want to keep in mind. If you're heading towards that direction, then just bear it in mind. But the, yeah, they're the three sort of main things that I've got for keeping your business on track. I hope that's been somewhat helpful throughout this, that you can kind of take something away, just even if it's food for, food for thought, that you know might, might propel you forward, or you might be in one of these situations and go, I just didn't think of that at this moment in time. So hopefully it's helped somewhat. To jump into the questions that I had from Instagram, then there was several that I'm going to choose to just go from and three completely different types of questions. The first one is, let me check who this is from. The first question here is from Jeff Sinkodmeo. And I apologize if I've said that wrong or if that's, you know, different names in there but it's how to transition from regular mower to golf green style now the only thing i can think this means is from a rotary type mower to a cylinder mower 
Now, if you're just cutting on your own home loan or however it might be, the transition is pretty simple. As long as you've got a garden that is kind of good to go, as in you've been taking good care of it, you know, it's flat enough. Now, it doesn't need to be, you know, bowling green flat, but as long as it's a smooth enough, um, smooth enough area and it's not full of dips and, you know, the dogs dug loads of holes and you're bouncing up and down, then you are pretty much good to go anyway. The one main thing that is different between, apart from the cutting style, where the rotary blade is going to cut more like a machete, you know, it snaps the blades of grass, whereas the cylinder mower has cut more like a pair of scissors, so a lot cleaner of a cut. Apart from that difference, the main one that you're going to notice is you can cut a lot shorter, a lot cleaner with a cylinder mower than you can a rotary. So the best way to sort of transition is start breaking, bringing that height of cut down gradually. So you might be cutting, I'd say, 2 inches, 50 mil. Bring that down, I don't know, 5 mil every week or so, or get it used to a certain cut. What I would say is just whenever you're reducing the height of cut on your home lawn, because you're trying to keep it in the best shape possible, is keep an eye on how it looks with um, with stress tolerance and things like that. Is it starting to lose a lot of colour? Is it looking not as healthy anymore? If so, hold the height that you're cutting at and let it gain a bit of health to it. Let it gain a bit of colour back in. If it's a drought, then it's definitely not the best time to do it. But and then just go forward once it's looking like a healthier healthier grass, um, healthier plant. So the main thing there is bringing down that height of cut very slowly. I would say for a rotary mower, I'm somewhere between an inch and a half to two inches. For a cylinder mower, I like cutting at around about one inch, sort of your 25 millimeter mark. I think that cuts really well. So the next one is from Corcoran Hot Horticulture. You, he has said, where do you see your business in five years time? So a bit of an interesting question there because five years is a long time. You know, a lot can change in five years. And I hope it does. I hope it moves forward. But in five years time, I would like to see an employee. I would really like to get someone on the books. Funny enough, I got a random email three weeks ago now. It might have been a guy that maybe lives five miles from us. I do not know who he is. But he actually randomly got in touch and asked me if I had any jobs going. I told him I don't currently. If it was part-time employment, I could have took him on straight away. But because he's after a full-time employment, uh, I said I couldn't straight away. So I asked him to send his CV over nonetheless and I would have a look through it. And you know what? I was very impressed with the CV. I think I, I could have definitely t- taken this person on. It's just a shame that he was after you know a full 40 hours a week or whatnot. Because that's on something I could offer him at the moment. But I would like to bring on an employee. And I would like a bigger stake in the commercial work. So there's one big commercial grounds that I've got. I say big. It's you know it's a decent earner. Is what I mean by that. I would like to have a few of them on point. And I would like to go a bit more down the commercial side of things. So investing in these bigger machines. And taking on a lot bigger areas. Even villages and things like this. That's kind of where I would like a big stake in the game, you know, to the point where I'm maybe 60% commercial, 40% domestic. That would be a really nice sweet spot for me within the next five years, I believe. And also my name on the map. I I already feel like I get a lot of requests through. I always talk about how I'm turning away jobs and things like that. So I would really like to 
to keep that going in that that direction and i'm hoping you know in five years time i'll nearly be three years uh, sorry eight years into into the into the game altogether within this area that i'm servicing i would really like to be known as sort of the go-to gardener some of the things that i've got in my head ideas for moving forward i, I actually haven't shared with you but I've, I've got something in my head where as soon as someone needs something grounds related you know there'll, there'll be a way that they can get in touch with me more or less straight away book it in straight away and pay for it straight away and that job can just be done you know and but that's going to be quite a big scheme so we're maybe looking at the back end of this five years here but it's the name on the map it's if someone needs something then j rock long and gardening is the one that they they go for straight away and finally the go-to planting style so this is from alex lawn 86 he has said what is your go-to planting style what plants do you recommend customers when asked now i couldn't really say alex on what plant specifically because it really depends on the garden that it's in the location you know is it in a very vulnerable area where it's going to be getting hit by a lot of wind or is it in you know the corner of a garden that never sees you know daylight basically so what plants really rec depends on what the clients say now you know i only know i would still say a limited amount about planting styles and actual plants themselves will go well together but i do have my favorites that i like to push across normally quite easy ones to kind of go with one main thing that i would always try and stay with in this regard is i like i like a, a variety is probably the best way to put it I like a variety of textures, heights. I really like to try and fill the bo fill a border. If I'm ever given given total control of a planting scheme or anything like that, I like to kind of work with the depth of the border and, and work through the height ranges and just give it a good three-dimensional sort of feel to the whole border. So if I was going to kind of put it in, I would be looking at somewhere between... Uh, I kind of like herbaceous borders, you know, the the thing with a herbaceous border is it's it's often themed with a lot of perennials well mainly perennials and you know shrubs like turpery and they give them sort of solid structure so herbaceous borders are always a good one but cottage garden sort of style is probably one that i would go for planting schemes not that i've done any of these and actually called it a cottage garden but as you may know a cottage garden is sort of it's rough and beautiful you know there's a whole mix in there you know from you know you might have a lot of bulbs in there you'll have a mix between annuals and perennials you'll have a lot of flowering shrubs and climbers and you know there's just a whole mix of different things within within that category to have this cottage garden feel and although my my garden at home finding those that have watched my youtube it's not absolutely you know it's not a maze with plants but i do have my bulbs i've got annuals there and perennials and I also like the main shrubs there, like hydrangeas, you know, something that are, are focus points in the summer of beauty, you know, something that gives, you know, the, the really soft and, well, I say soft, it's, yeah, like a softer pink flower that it gives through, that gives a bit of overall depth to, to the border, as well as, you know, bulbs that come up at different points in the year. I just like the mix. I know I'm rambling on here, because I'm just trying to think about it, but, you know, I like a whole mix of the whole area, so definitely perennials are always a good one i like the fact of you know an annual is going to flower it's going to do you justice through the season you're going to pull it and throw it i really quite like personally the the feeling of being out in a garden and having something to do 
So when a plant is due, it's time to be cut back. You know, I enjoy that process and then seeing it thrive again the year after. So yeah, a cottage garden would kind of be my favourite planting style if I was going to actually put a put a style to it as as such. Anyways, I, th I hope that's a bit different. It's been a while since I've done co uh, questions and just sort of randomly talked about something. Um, I would like to know what your favourite planting styles are, actually. It's something that I don't think, considering we're gardeners, we don't see enough of online. We don't see enough sort of plants and different people talking about different styles that they sort of use them within a garden. You know, I think a lot of ourselves are very maintenance-based, and that's, you know, that's fantastic. That's where I would say... Apart from the lawn care side of things, I'm definitely more general maintenance on a property than what I am, you know, a horticulturist. So, but I do love to see it. So if you do, then feel free to tag me in a picture. I love nothing more than seeing a planting scheme go ahead or, you know, how you're arranging a new border, whatever it might be. Anyways, I hope you have a very good weekend. You know, we're getting a lot of rain up here now in Scotland, so the gardens are not half starting to bounce back. Uh, we've been pretty lucky up here whereas I know some of down close to London you really haven't had a, a, any rain quite honestly and I know your lawns are suffering so yes finger crossed that I can send you all my rain and we can have the sun for a bit longer that would be massively appreciated anyway hope you all have a great weekend I'll see you next week and I am hoping to get more people on for interviews I keep talking about this if you're interested get in touch see you next week